Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. So those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Lindsay. I am Pastor Jeremy's wife, and it's always a pleasure to be here in this capacity with you this morning. Before we get into our message, I want to take a moment and I want to address Hurricane Harvey. We as a church are going to help make a small difference in a very, very tragic situation. Um, I want to put a picture on the screens because this hits really home for me. Uh, There's a picture of my friend Gracia. This is one of my closest friends. We went to school of ministry together. That is her husband. I was actually in Bible college with her husband, and those are her three beautiful children. They live in Houston, and when they were told before the hurricane hit, they were told, be prepared in your home to be there for three days, just three days. And as you know, we've all been watching the news that they've had over 57 inches of rain, that the place is flooded for miles and miles and miles. Places that were no flood zones are completely flooded out. And so they were told, prepare for three days. That's one gallon of water per family member per day. That's enough food in a pantry. But the problem is the hurricane is done with hitting, but now places are flooded and grocery stores are flooded. And so this hits extremely home to me. I want to show you some footage of their church. Their church was in a no-flood zone, and it is completely underwater. We have the video of that. Their children's team areas, their stage, their, their water comes up all the way into all of their music equipment. The place has been completely flooded. And we want to make a difference at Avenue because when you build people, you don't just build them when times are good, amen. You build them when times are a little bit difficult. And I am overwhelmed by the generosity of our city that's going out to help victims of Hurricane Harvey. And so here's a couple ways that we can give today. If you would like to make a financial gift, we are partnering with ARC, Associative Related Churches. We're part of that association. And there are 22 ARC churches in that South Texas area that are providing relief. They're providing food. They're providing shelter. And so we are going to partner financially with them in giving. So if you would like to give financially, if we could put that slide up with the information to give, you can donate this way. You can text HOPE100 to 84321. You can also give in the giving boxes. Just mark your envelope, hope. There's another way to give. We're partnering with Church LV, Pastor Benny Perez, here in South Las Vegas. And if you want to bring brand new toiletry items, we have a list there as well on the screens. The list is also available at Avenue Central. But we are going to bring these new items to church next weekend on September 10th. We will have boxes set up that we can pack them in. And then Church LV has a team going down to Houston next week or the week after so we can actually get supplies on the ground. So let's be a part of making a difference for people that are hurting. You see, many of you probably even have friends or you know someone who knows someone who's been affected by Hurricane Harvey. I remember growing up, my papa, who's my grandfather, he told me, Lindsay, You will be blessed. I want you to see yourself as blessed if you can count your friends on just one hand. See, my grandfather told me that it wasn't about popularity. It was not ever about quantity. It was about quality. That we were built for relationship, friends. We were made to be in friendships and relationships that are genuine and authentic. And so today we are in this series called Building People. Why? Because we need to be able to build people up. That's what we were made for, to encourage them, to strengthen them. Many of you have been in seasons in your life where you needed somebody to come down at your level because sometimes we feel really low, don't we? And we need somebody who's a little bit stronger than me, someone who has a little bit hope, more hope than I do right now, to take my hand and bring me up. 
And that's what we're about at this church. We are about building people. And so let me stop and say something about the Apostle Paul real quick. Because we are learning from him in the book of Philippians in this series, Building People. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. So it would almost be like a church leader is writing to a particular church. So let's say Pastor Jeremy is out and about and he's away from us and he's writing to encourage us. That's exactly what Paul is doing. He started this church and now he's writing them to encourage them. He's building up the believers. He's saying, I see your faith. I'm hearing about the love and the unity that you have and I am so proud of you. He's telling them to keep pressing on towards, towards the goal, not to quit when things get tough. He's telling them to build them up, to encourage them, to keep being the amazing church that they are, all while he is shackled. So he's busy building others while he himself is in prison. He had been beaten for living out his faith, and he is shackled when he's writing about this. So I want to stop for a second. Life can be really hard, can it? I will never stand up here on this stage and tell you that life is easy breezy once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and all the days on this earth are going to be a piece of cake. That would be a lie, wouldn't it? Because obstacles come, don't they? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll say that some of those obstacles are caused by ourselves. It was a bad decision. I don't know, it must have been something that I ate. It was the garlic. I don't know what happened, but I made a bad decision. But there's also those obstacles in life that we did not see coming. They're those potholes that take place in our journey of faith. There's the potholes that take place in our life that we were not prepared for. And so here we find the Apostle Paul, and this is what I want us to see this morning, is that he's in a pothole. He is in a dungeon. It is dark. It is not good circumstance. But in the darkness of his circumstance, he is choosing to be light for somebody else. In the hardship that he is facing, he could be moaning and growing and throwing the pity party of a lifetime because he is wrongfully beaten and wrongfully imprisoned. But yet he's using this time that he has to continue building people because he knows there's something constructed on the inside of him that I have to build people. This is my purpose. I was made for this. And guess what, friends? We too were made to build people. We were made to build people. See, can I let you in on something this morning? Attitude trumps circumstance. Attitude will always trump circumstance. Some of y'all listen to 90.5. You'll heal, you'll heal, you will hear, hello, that's a little hard to say. You will hear Chuck Swindle say this. Attitude is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than what people do or they say. Attitude is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. And we may be thinking, well, what's attitude? Is, is that attitude? Some people got way too much attitude. Some people don't have enough attitude. But attitude defined is it's your manner. It's your disposition. It's your position. It's a tendency or an orientation, especially that of the mind. Attitude is a mindset. It's the way you carry. It's the way you look at things. It's the way you act about things. It's your disposition. So attitude, if we want to build people, we got to have an attitude check this morning. If we as a church want to say that I want to be built up, but I also want to be used by God to make a difference and build others up, well, then I might just have to check my attitude. When you were growing up, did you ever have a parent or somebody else in your family compare you to somebody else? I hear the grumbling. Yes, you have. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, you just opened up a scar from when I was like seven years old. I'm sorry. 
There's counseling. (laughs) But have you ever had someone tell you, you know, if you would have been more like so-and-so, you probably wouldn't have walked down this path in life. Or couldn't you act more like so-and-so? She would never do that. You know what? If you thought more like so-and-so, things would be a lot different in your life. You see, the Apostle Paul's about to do that to us. (laughs) I'm so sorry. He's about to tell us that if you want to build people, if you want to make a difference in somebody's life, if you want to be encouraged, then I'm going to need you to act like so-and-so. I'm going to need you to be like somebody. And he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, which is attitude, as Christ Jesus. So if you want to be building people up, you got to act like Jesus. And so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. It is a light, God, in our lives. And I ask in the name of Jesus that we would hear, God, what you want us to hear. That it would make sense because these are pretty big shoes to fill. That if you are telling us through your word that we're supposed to have the attitude of Jesus, then I pray, Father, you would make known the how we are able to do that. I love you. Give us vision. Let us know that you are big enough in us that we could be transformed to be more like Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to start again in verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by obedience to death, even death on a cross. Now in this portion of scripture that we're going to unpack today, Paul uses two very important words on how we're supposed to model this attitude. He uses humility and he uses obedience. That if I want to build people, if I want to be built up in my faith, if I want to grow in my Christian walk, which we all should want to do, then I'm going to have to learn to have an attitude of humility and an attitude of obedience. So we have to have an attitude of humility if we want to have an attitude like Jesus. Verse 6 again, it said, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used by his own advantage. I want to pause right there. I need you to know that Jesus is 100% God. Jesus is not some low-level, subservient deity that came to do the work and the will of a bigger God in heaven. No, there's one with God. So it is an incredible miracle, our salvation, that God in heaven put skin on and came down to live a life of a servant so that you and I can be saved. See, if we want to have an attitude of humility, it has to be like Jesus Christ. So rather, using his power to an advantage, think about that. You are God in flesh. All power that it took to form the earth, to create the land, to separate land from water, all of that to form man out of dust, that is inside Jesus Christ. And yet you are spit on, you are beaten, you are ridiculed, you are talked about in the own town that you brought, were brought up in that, oh no, that's just the carpenter's son. He could have squashed him like that in a moment. But rather than using it to his advantage, the fact that he was God in flesh, It said he humbled himself to serve. If we want to have an attitude of humility, 
We have to be a servant and not superior. If we want to have an attitude of humility, we focus on serving others instead of being superior towards others. See, I'm going to say that one more time. There's a difference between a servant and a superior. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I was 18 years old. And I walked away from alcohol. I stopped smoking. I got out of inappropriate relationships because I didn't desire that anymore. I read in my Bible that I was a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when you walk down a path of shame, when you walk down a, a path of not so clean living, and someone tells you that you can be brand new, that is pretty awesome. So I jumped on that opportunity that I could be made new in Christ, that behold, all things are gone, and I have made all things new, and I was new. But something happened in my Christianity in that, that first year or two where I was no longer known in my household as the rebellious teenager, I adopted a new nickname. I was self-righteous Christian. You see, I looked at my salvation, my salvation as if I were superior to somebody else. I was better than those I used to walk with, or I was better than even Christians in, in my own realm, in my own circle, because I was, I was holier. I, I was more righteous. I was, I was superior, and I adopted an attitude not of humility, but of superiority, that I thought I was better off than others. But see, Jesus has a complete opposite approach to people, doesn't he? In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says of himself, for the Son of Man, me, Christ, me, God in the flesh, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You see, an attitude of humility serves others. It doesn't see itself as superior. In the days of Jesus, there were people who saw themselves as superior to others, even superior to others in the faith. And those were Pharisees. Those were Sadducees. And when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books in the New Testament, and you start reading it, you will see that Jesus confronts Pharisees. You'll see that Jesus has a problem with people being holier than thou, law-abiding Christians, law-abiding religious men, but they have void of love for people. They are void of compassion. They're void of care. And so Jesus, you see him throughout the Gospels, continually correcting and rebuking that heart of a Pharisee, that heart of superiority. I find it very interesting that some people will come into church and they will be scared to death that their sin is going to be called out in church. Some people will walk into church and think the building's going to burn down, lightning's going to strike, or God forbid that preacher on stage is going to see my Instagram. Or that preacher on stage is going to see my Facebook or is going to hear what I've been living and what I've been doing, and he or she's going to say something from the stage. I want you to know that Jesus never humiliated sinners. If you look at the life of Jesus Christ, it was the Pharisees, it was the religious, the superior in faith that would humiliate the sinners. Think about the woman caught in the act of adultery. They humiliated her. The religious leaders grabbed her naked, caught in the act, threw her in the temple courts, down at the floor of Jesus, in front of every church folk who was there learning. Said, what are you gonna do about it? Do you know what Jesus does? Jesus doesn't humiliate us in our sin. Do you know what sin's humiliating enough? We usually don't feel good about the lifestyles that we're living in, guys. That's the truth. And so he doesn't humiliate the sinner. He didn't get away from the leper because they have a disease. No, he embraces the sinner. He doesn't humiliate. He heals the sinner. 
He forgives the sinner and he sets free the sinner. And so if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to build people up, and if we want to be built up in the faith, then we need to start acting like he does. That his attitude is that of humility, that I don't look at myself like I'm better. Hear me. If I'm living a life of Christ and I'm not in that junk that I used to be, I am better off. But that does not mean that I look up with my nose stuck up to the air, that I got something that you don't have. My heart should be breaking that you haven't run into what I've run into, that you haven't learned the love of God. And my prayer is, is that as people of humility, as an attitude of humility, my light shines so bright, not with superiority, but with service, that I am loving and serving those that maybe frustrate me. I'm loving or serving those that maybe I thought I was above because you know what? A service, service spirit is going to change a superior spirit. Amen? Amen? See, he served them to save them. He served them to save them. So we can choose that we could be like Jesus or we could be like a Pharisee. I wasn't, it wasn't until I began to serve others that my self-righteous heart became a heart of compassion. It wasn't until I got out of my own bubble and started loving people and getting down on my hands and knees and actually doing some grunt work and doing life with people that I started to care more than I judged. I started to develop patience. The people that I would be so frustrated with, my heart would begin to break for them now. And instead of sticking my nose up at them, I served them. See, Paul is telling the Philippians, if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to build people, you got to be like Jesus. And I know that seems like it's so far out there, but guess what? You have the Spirit of God living in you. Jesus has empowered you with his Spirit that you can act like me. You can love like me. You can walk like me and do things like I do. The Bible even says that Jesus said that you will do even greater things than he did. It's incredible what he has put out there to us. So Paul is in prison in shackles, writing, do not be superior to others. Put others before yourself. Take on an attitude like Jesus and be humble. I think it's interesting because Paul knows all about what he's talking about because he was one of the most self-righteous leaders in history. <laughs> he writes of himself, listen to this. He says, indeed, if others have the reason for confidence in their own efforts, meaning if you got a reason to be prideful, check out my reasons to be prideful. This is what Paul says. I have even more I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, and I am a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous. That means burning with passion. Paul is saying, I was so passionate about the law that I harsh, harshly persecuted the church. And so he was a man that was zealous for legality. He was zealous for religion, void of relationship. And when you are zealous for religion and you do not have a relationship with the Lord and you do not have relationship with people, you will harm those in the church. And so he was persecuting the church. And as for righteousness, he says, I obeyed the law fully without fault. Isn't that incredible? And so he teaches us right here this is a man who thought he had it all together and had every reason to judge and bring persecution to people who he thought did not measure up, who did not deserve the name of God in their life. And yet here he is in shackles, 
writing to those in the church saying, I need you to know salvation doesn't come by what you do. Salvation comes by Jesus Christ. It's a gift by grace through faith, not by works so that none of us can boast. That's what Jesus does. He removes anything we have to brag about. He removes everything we have to boast about, and he just shows us, you need me as the Savior, and I'm going to show you how to love me and love people. It's incredible. See, Avenue Church exists to make a way for people to know Jesus and to experience new life. We are committed to building people at this church. We want to see people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, see that they were made for something bigger than themselves, and help them and empower them to start making a difference in their families, in their church, in their community, in their world. See, I have a story of a friend that I want to share with you, and if you've ever been through Growth Track, you know this story. He was a young man who came from a broken home. Mom was an alcoholic. Dad was completely out of the picture. And so at 18 years old, which many 18-year-olds do, they are now of age, and they have graduated high school. They are getting the heck out of there. And so he left his home of Mississippi, and he went down south to go to college. But I want you to know, sometimes when we try to escape our problems, our problems aren't always just environmental. Sometimes they're internal. And so he took that same brokenness from Mississippi now to a college campus. And if you were talking with him, he would share the story that he felt so broken, so full of despair. In fact, one day he was driving his truck, and he was envisioning, what if I just drove my truck into that tree? What if it was just done today? You're talking about a 19-year-old now, saying, what if it's just done today? And so somebody had invited him to church, and he said, you know what? Nothing else is working for me. Let me go try this church business. And I want you to picture a beautiful southern little white church, okay? White building, white picket fence. You walk inside, and it's got the big old wooden beautiful pews. Like, it is something out of a movie. It's just breathtaking, And so this young man, 19 years old, walks into this white-painted church and comes in, and he's a pretty brave young man because most people don't do this when they're brand new. He comes and he sits second row. That's brave, friends. That is brave. Most people, if I'm in a new church for the first time, I'm going to come kind of sit, dip in the back, and I'm going to take my little seat and hope nobody sees me. But he sat second row. And he came early. Isn't that incredible? That's a miracle on its own for people showing up early. And so he sits down, and five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, Nobody talks to him until finally an older man comes up to him and puts his hand on his shoulder and he's thinking inside, thank God somebody finally sees me. This is a suicidal, broken young adult. And you know what that man says to him? You're in my seat, son. Superiority. Not service. Not, hey, it's a small church. I've never seen you before. How are you? Can I sit by you? You're in my seat, son. And that young man did not go back and take another seat. He walked right out that door and swore he would never step foot in a church again. Life continues to get bad. Another year passes, another year passes. And now he's got a new neighbor because he moved. And this neighbor's inviting him to church. He says, oh, no, 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 I know all about your churches. I don't need to come to your churches. I've been to those. But she keeps nagging. And so I tell you guys, if you keep inviting people, keep on keeping on because this young man gave in. And so he comes to this church. He pulls up and somebody in the parking lot Waves hi to him, and he's like, "Eh, whatever, cool, that's cool. He comes inside, and a greeter opens up the door for him, doesn't just open the door, but says, hey, how are you? Is it your first time here at church? And he said, yes, it is. She goes, you know what? I'm going to come sit by you. How about you save a seat, and I'm going to come sit with you as soon as I'm done with my greeting? Okay. 
Well, he learned his lesson the first time. He didn't go sit in the first or second row. He sat in the back. And so sure enough, after the worship, that greeter comes into the service and she sees him sitting there and she sits with him. What he doesn't know is that life-giving greeter had been praying for him. She'd been praying for him ever since she laid eyes on him that Jesus was going to do something awesome in his life. And so at the end of the service, the pastor is telling them, if you want Christ in your heart, if you are lacking hope, if you are in a desperate situation and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you. And this greeter was paying attention because she saw tears coming down this young man, this broken young man's eyes. And she grabbed his hand and says, do you want to go up there? Because I'll go with you. And sure enough, she walked that young man down there and he gave his life to Jesus. Shortly after that, he got into a school of ministry. That man is now a pastor, leading hundreds of people to Jesus a year, raising up leaders, helping plant churches, all because... Jesus used a greeter. Jesus used a person to build up another person. That is how God has designed the church. Jesus could save the whole world if he wanted to by himself. But he said, you know what? I want to make you better. I want to make you better, and I want to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life. Sure, I could come down and form, and I could be talking to somebody, and I can orchestrate all these things, but I'm going to make you better by using you to build up other people. It's incredible what God wants to do. And that is what we are at Avenue. We are life-giving. We are hearts of servants, not hearts of superiority. So Paul said that being found in appearance as a man, God in, in flesh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If we want to have an attitude like Jesus. It's not just one of humility. It's one of obedience. I can't just have a heart of service and not obey what God has told me. You see, he's called us to obey the word of God. This is powerful, friends. This is so powerful. I love the Bible. I didn't start reading it till I was 18 years old. But when I started to, I realized that this is God speaking to his people. If I'm in a pinch in my life and I don't know where to go, I can turn to the word. And statistics are so sad that it says that mostly in the church, only one-third of churchgoers actually pick this up maybe once a week. And God is saying, I have given you something that could forever change your life. In fact, Jesus himself used the word of God. There's a portion of text where Jesus is being confronted and tempted by Satan. And he doesn't use anything but the word of God to fight him back. So when Satan came to him and said, oh, you hungry, Jesus? You're so powerful. Why don't you turn those stones into bread? And Jesus said, no, no, no. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word of God. When he said, you control the angels, don't you? You're so holy and so powerful. Why don't you go on this high point and you jump down and let them save you? He said, uh-uh. And he responded with scripture. You see what I'm saying? When we're going through times that are tough, how do we respond? And God is saying, I have given you something in which you can respond to circumstances in your life. You're in a tough spot? Well, I'm going to show you what you can do about it. You see, the Bible is a source of strength. The Bible builds our character. If we want to be more Christ-like, we got to read about them. The Bible guides your life. In no way does it take away from you. I think sometimes we fear that if we open this, we're going to lose so much of who we are. 
We're going to be told all the do nots and the cannots. It tells you who you are. It tells you how free you are in Christ Jesus. That the family that you were born into with those hangups and those habits, you don't have to walk into your rest of your life holding on to those because of the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. If I have harbored unforgiveness because something incredibly cruel was done to me outside of my control, Jesus is saying, I can heal that wound. I can, I can make that better. I can comfort you, heal you, strengthen you. And God forbid against the enemy, I'm going to use you to help somebody else who's been in that spot. The Bible grows your faith. If we're wondering, man, why is life so hard as a Christian? Well, is your faith as big as your Christianity? Is your faith growing? Because the Bible tells us that it is by hearing of the Word of God that builds our faith. You see, to be a Christian and not read your Bible is like you got a brand new car. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I want you to imagine that dream car because you all have it. Maybe not in your <laughs> property, but you've got it in your mind what that car you've always dreamt of would be like. But being a Christian without reading your Bible is like having that car. You're an owner of it. You've got the keys, but you do not know how to turn that car on. And you're looking at that car. You're looking at the key, but you can't start the car. You can't use the car for its purpose. The purpose of a car is to drive it. It's not just to sit all pretty in your garage or sit all pretty in your driveway. It is to be used. But if we are Christians who don't read our Bible, we're not turning on all the awesome potential that God has in store for us. We're not learning how to grow our faith and to be used by God for the things that he has for us. We need to build people up by being built up ourselves in our Bible. If you're wondering where in the world do I start? Guys, there's 66 books in here. Pick one. <laughs> it was so funny. Somebody asked a pastor what, once, what version is the best version of the Bible? The one you read? Just pick it up and read it. Start in Psalms. I was having a rough week this week, and I said, you know what, God? I need to be reminded of how awesome you are. So I turned to Psalms and started beginning to read how he fashioned and formed the earth, that he's my refuge, he's my strong tower. And I began to get built up because I knew that Sunday was coming and I needed to be ready to build up others. So we need to be obedient to the word of God. See, I wanna show you what Paul was doing because Paul was not just obedient to the word of God, he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is gonna tell you to do things. He's gonna move on your heart. I, I need you to go speak to that person. That person's hurting. I don't, I'm not gonna tell you what it's about, but I'm just gonna tell you, you need to have a conversation. And it begins to nudge you and use you to build up other people. So here's the apostle Paul and he is broken in body but he's not broken in spirit because he's shackled and yet he's writing to this church in Philippi. I want you to be humble like Jesus. And he's starting to explain who Christ is. And he begins to share what we just read, that Jesus was humble to become a servant and he was obedient to death on a cross. I gotta tell you something, when you are in a hard spot, and you start talking about the cross of Jesus Christ, it does something to your situation. See, he wasn't even thinking about himself. He was thinking about the church of Philippi. He was thinking about those people who he taught Jesus to. And here he is building them up. Be humble, be obedient, because Jesus was obedient even to the cross. But something happens to us when we start talking about the cross, because here in the middle of Philippians, the apostle Paul stops telling 
telling you how to be an attitude of Christ, he starts lifting up the name of Jesus. He says this, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To God be the glory of the Father. Do you know what Paul just did? Paul stopped and had a praise break in prison. Paul was writing to build up the church. So sometimes in your hardships, don't be surprised if God uses you to build somebody up. And if you're building somebody up, even in your prison, even in your darkness, and you start speaking the victory of Jesus, it's going to turn your attitude to an attitude of praise. It's going to have you start lifting up that, no, 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 no. These shackles aren't the end for me. My God is seated on the throne in the highest place of honor. And every tongue, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so I want us to stand this morning. We're going to do a little bit of praise in here because praise changes the attitude of our hearts. Praise puts God on the throne where he belongs, not just seated in heaven, but on the throne of our hearts. So let's lift our hands. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have called us to act like you in attitude. But right now, Father, we just ask you, touch our hearts as we lift up our hands and our voices to you. And as we praise you, let's sing together. And here's what I want you to do when you walk out these doors this week. I want you to realize that your Monday can be affected by what happens here today. Your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your entire week can be changed if we start practicing humility versus being superior. So next time, check your attitude. Tomorrow morning, check your attitude. If you need to serve others, start serving others. If you need to get into your word, which we all need to get in more, open up a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have them directly on these bookshelves right on the side of the worship experience. We would love to put one in your hand. Open it up. Begin reading. God has incredible things in store for you as an individual and as a family. So trust that he's got great things for you and he wants to use you to build you up and to build others. God bless you guys. If you want to go into step one of growth track, it's happening about 15 minutes in the growth track room right on the left-hand side. If you want to donate to Hurricane Harvey Relief, check out Avenue Central. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week when we kick off groups. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.